everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep Tech. Today I'll be talking with Will Franzel. Will's been in the classroom since 1998 and brings over 16 years of teaching experience at the elementary and middle school level. He's taught for Fresno Unified, for Alisol, and currently he's an educator administrator of science at Monterey County Office of Education. So we're going to be talking about all things science today in our episode with Will Franzel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep Tech. Today, we are with Will Frenzel. Will, we just got to hear a bit about your background. You're, you've been an instructional coach, and now you're an education administrator of science. So we're just really happy to have you here to talk, talk us through NGSS and what we need to know to be successful in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us um, a little bit about NGSS in terms of what we should be looking for when we are working, um, out, getting out in the classroom and looking at teachers' practices. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, you know, thinking about kind of the K-12 classrooms, it really depends on uh, if you're looking at elementary or middle school or high school. Um, but, you know, what you would hope to see in some of those classrooms, uh, or all those classrooms, uh, would be, you know, student-centered learning, uh, kind of the deeper learning opportunities where uh, students are doing the heavy lifting, mm. uh, and, you know, engaged in the science and engineering practices, uh, and doing more than just simply knowing about science. You know, they need to know uh, the core science and engineering ideas, but we want to see them actually the idea of you know walking in the classroom and as you shared students doing the heavy lifting that means the role of the teacher is kind of shifting from you know being in the front of the room and guiding student learning to maybe being a guide on the side yeah exactly guide on the side i've heard even like the lead learner um, you know more the facilitator of the lesson um, instead of kind of from decade previous of what we'd consider the sage on the stage with the gatekeeper of knowledge, more lectures and students having more of kind of a rote memorization uh, learning experience. So yeah, this would be considered more uh, deeper learning and uh, again, students engaged and thinking like scientists, mm -hmm. uh, collaborating on different projects that are uh, connected to the real world and, you know, just trying to make sense of the world around us. Uh, that's one of the goals of NGSS is scientific literacy for all. Well, okay, so if the teachers are being this guide on the side, tell us, you know, what would that entail in terms of planning for that kind of instruction? Sure, sure. Yeah, so it's a big shift. And one of the things I've, I've noticed um, in my role here at the county, this is my fourth year um, as an educational administrator of science, is that some of the teachers that are just coming out of the credential program, since they, you know, weren't teaching, say, 10, 20 years ago, uh, during different eras of education, like No Child Left Behind, they, uh, NGSS is, is more comfortable mm -hmm. to them, and they're a bit more confident uh, coming out of the credentialing program with, uh, you know, letting the students, again, uh, ask 
good questions and drive the learning mm. where, you know, I've seen some teachers that have been in the classroom for a while and they're, they're so happy about this era that we're currently in, uh, you know, that's filled with creativity and critical thinking. Uh, and again, just that kind of student-centered uh, learning in the classroom. But, you know, again, there's some muscle memory there as well. So some of the veteran teachers tend to kind of default into that uh, direct instruction. Right. And sometimes that might even, you know, kind of steal the aha moments during the science lesson. And that's another one of the you know, kind of the goals of NGFS is don't steal the aha from the students. Let them discover it. Oh, yeah, okay. Kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> so just kind of guiding them to, to discovery, uh, making their own discoveries. Right. So it's kind of like don't unwrap the present for them and kill the surprise. Let them let them get there, and and because then it's like so much more richer when they're, you know, seeing the surprise for themselves than just watching it as an observer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's kind of you know another one of the goals of NGSS is to prepare students to be informed citizens and future scientists. Um, and if they don't go into say the scientific fields or the STEM STEAM fields, um, as I mentioned earlier, scientific literacy for all students, which then affects you know their it's, it's tapping into that natural uh, curiosity that they come to us with, and you know pre-K, TK, kindergarten, and uh, creativity as, as well. And, you know, kind of nurturing that throughout elementary, middle school, high school, into college and career. So they think like scientists. Um, mm. And then that scientific literacy will then really, you know, affect their quality of life and the quality of everyone's life because it, it's connected to how they see the world, how they make sense of the world. Uh, it's connected to how they'll vote you know, for local, right. state level, and and, uh, and larger issues that are affecting the planet currently. Um, so, you know, it's it's just, it's it's, uh, it's an exciting time to be in education. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there that aren't familiar with the Next Generation Science Standards, can you just tell us a little bit in terms of how they were designed? Sure, sure. So uh, they were released in 2013. And um, so there have been several rollouts that uh, have taken place in California. I think we're on rollout seven now, wow. which was all, it's all focusing on environmental literacy. Um, but basically, you had uh, you know some of our top educators and scientists and uh, folks that have really been in education for a long time sit down and and create these standards at a national level. And then um, it's kind of, a, I think one of the highlight points to talk about too is it wasn't politicians and it wasn't, you know, didn't involve folks uh, that are that are the publishers or the curriculum. It was the folks that had been, you know, in education for many years, uh, working with students and alongside with um, scientists. They sat down with the folks that wrote the math framework for Common Core and for history social science. So, you can see so many connections across all the core content areas right. uh, with the creators. Yeah. That's very cool. And so unlike other uh, Common Core standards, the, the NGSS standards start with the performance expectations. And so teachers that are out there planning, how should they look at those performance expectations and think about designing instruction? 
Yeah, so there, there are a lot of helpful tools online now, uh, kind of vetted resources. Uh, when I first started, it was still evolving, and there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of like high-quality content out there. But there are uh, websites such as uh, uh, Hashtag Project Phenomena mm-hmm. that uh, teachers can go to to help kind of guide their lesson, connecting uh, the observable phenomena to the performance expectation. Uh, you know, and there are d- different models out there that have been around for a long time, like the 5E instructional model, um, that you'll see in a lot of the uh, curriculums that are on the menu now. There are 29 curricul- uh, California instructional materials that have been adopted by the state. And so you'll see a lot of them that are using the 5E instructional model. So that's something to look into as far as, you know, kind of designing lessons. Right. That's a great place to start. Yeah. Yes, we actually use the 5E model in our science methods course. So the students will definitely be learning about that and, and thinking about how they can disru- design instruction with uh, yeah. that particular model. Are there other pedagogical approaches that you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to look into would be a great book that's uh, titled How People Learn. Mm. And there's another book that just came out uh, recently, a couple years ago titled How People Learn Too. Uh, there's a lot of research uh, that is captured in, in the books around three key findings, uh, accessing students' prior knowledge, uh, the conceptual framework, and metacognition. And that's all, that can be found not only in the NGSS framework, but I'd also highly recommend folks checking those two books out. So that was How People Learn Too, and the second one was? Yeah, How People Learn and How People Learn Two. Oh, okay. uh, how people learn too was <laughs> coming out. Part two came out, I think, in two thousand seventeen. Uh, but the first book was published, or, I think, around nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating research around uh, not only student learning, but also has some uh, some research in there about how adults learn as well. Wonderful. So then you talked about those three key ideas of prior knowledge conceptual framework and metacognition. So I was looking at that, like in terms of observing a classroom, what might I see um, in each of those areas in a science class? Yeah, so again, it kind of depends on the grade level, but what you you, you should hopefully see is again, uh, lessons that are driven by, uh, you know, phenomena uh, and, and the three dimensions. So students engaging in the, uh, science and engineering practices, uh, using the cross-cutting concepts mm-hmm. and the disciplinary core ideas. And of course, with uh, in California, we have the environmental principles and concepts. So, you know, kind of depending on your grade level um, that you'd be observing in which classroom, uh, you would see, again, students asking a lot of questions and creating models. Um, they could be also, you know, obviously reading and writing, uh, getting into uh, connecting the explanation and the uh, elaboration part of the 5e model to the uh, engage and explore and you would hopefully see some discourse um, right. you know making claims and uh, backing it up with evidence and reasoning and uh, so it, which could lead into some hopefully respectful argumentation and kind of the shifting of mindsets at an early age and addressing uh, those scientific misconceptions they may be coming to us with Mm. Again, at an early age, yeah. 
fascinating time. You talked a lot about discourse and student discourse and having those conversations. So if I'm a teacher, let's say I'm planning a unit on weather, what kind of questions might I ask my students that would support the inquiry method? Yeah, that's a great question. So just if we, if we uh, take weather, uh, as far as the first suggestion I would, I would uh, give you would be uh, consider taking students outside with the, with the science notebook and have them just do some observations. Um, I actually did this with the kindergarten class last year, uh, and it was during the rainy season, but we found, we found a day that worked where the, the rain led up, and mm. we did just that. We took them outside, and we just asked them, hey, what do you notice? What do you wonder? And right. they started uh, drawing pictures, having discussions. They were getting down low and looking at blades of grass up closely. Uh, they noticed a flag that was moving a certain way when we walked out, and when we were walking back in, it was moving a, a different way. And, and that led us to coming back into the classroom, and uh, you know, we actually read a story about weather. Uh, they had been charting uh, weather patterns for days as far as how much rain um, they were collecting rain. And, wow. uh, and then actually in kindergarten, if you can imagine, they all were able to make a claim and back it up with evidence and reasoning and have multiple partners to share that with, um, all using their science notebooks to help guide their conversation. So, you know, again, that's a kindergarten class, and it might look different uh, as they move up into the higher grade levels because it'll become more sophisticated. Um, but that would be my suggestion, because not only are you connecting it to the natural phenomenon that we have surrounding us, but you're also connecting it now to environmental literacy and supporting the EPCs again by taking them outside right. and having them look closely at the world around us. That's, you know, it's right out there in the schoolyard. And, and a lot of times teachers don't think about all you know the opportunities that just taking them outside we have right, right outside our classrooms. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to watch a weather video. You can go out. And I was like, oh, sometimes I, I laugh about that when, when people are like, I'm going to show a video. I'm like, well, you can just take them outside and do the same exact thing. And it's more of an experience. So I think grounding yeah. science instruction in that type of experiential learning is so critical. Especially living here in this beautiful, I mean, most of California, I mean, every part of California I've ever been to has just had so much natural beauty and it's just so rich in, you know, in environment. How could you not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I completely agree. And I mean, I think it's powerful if you do find like high quality visuals, uh, still photos, video, but I think it's even more powerful when you can take them outside and have them use their senses. And uh, really just experienced that. And then, you know, I, I heard from the kindergarten teachers, they came back with all these, their own questions. They had gone outside and looked at the world differently after that, you know, that one particular lesson. And so that's what we want. We want thinking like scientists uh, and asking questions and right. trying to make sense of the world around them. So, yeah, that was a, that was a fantastic. I'm glad you asked the weather question because that just happened recently. And oh, that's I so cool. Well, it's kind of it's kind of cloudy here, so I was thinking cloudy with the chance of meatballs, which is one of my favorite stories. Yeah. But you also talked about the fact that your students, they were kindergartners, and they were making a claim. I mean, that sounds like higher order thinking skills right there that you're doing with you know five year olds. How do you how do you get them? 
how did you get them there? Like, what was your magic trick? Um, tell us. <laughs> well, uh, I, first off, again, after taking them outside and letting them explore, uh, you know, we did, uh, we came back in, and before I had them get to the claim evidence reasoning, uh, we had them actually create little uh, models of flags. So they, they built their own flag and went outside to kind of, kind of collect data about the movement of their flag. And so that led them, they had something that was concrete that they could uh, right. you know, draw a picture of and, yeah, actually count how many times it was moving. Uh, and, you know, and again, so we had to model it. Uh, that, again, with kindergarten, that helped, perhaps, that helps quite a bit right. um, to kind of model what we're looking for, but also to support them in understanding that there are other ways of doing that and collecting data and there are other ways of communicating and this is just one way of doing it. So mm -hmm. it really does come down to just kind of, uh, fortunately, the particular teacher has fantastic classroom management. Her classroom, like climate culture, is outstanding. So those foundations were in place where I didn't have to spend a lot of time with that. I can get right into the science. So, you know, you guys, what's the magic trick? Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, you know, knowing your class, and taking the time to connect with them on all levels, you know, especially socio-emotionally, so that trust is there for them to take risks, to feel empowered, to know they have a voice, and to kind of be comfortable with having a different opinion than someone else, as long as they have evidence to kind of back it up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we're kind of teaching those skills in kindergarten, think about where that will head as we, you know, move into middle school, high school, and then adulthood. Wow. Uh, right? I, yeah, our future is looking brighter and brighter every, with every second that we are going in and teaching science from every level. That's amazing. And it sounds like you also were not just doing, you know, the scientific method, but you also built in some environmental um, principles with uh, constructing a flag. Yes, yeah, we did. Um, with that same class, I came back and we did actually design challenge. Uh, that wasn't connected to weather, but um, one of the fantastic connections we made there was we did a read aloud, uh, one of my favorite books called The Most Magnificent Thing, and it's really all about perseverance and grit mm. and, you know, failing forward and very appropriate for, for the early years, kinder, and say first, second, third. And um, after reading the story, we, we then, you know, engaged in a design challenge but then brought it all the way back to the story at the end. So, right. you know, talked about kind of the character traits of the character, uh, the girl in the story, and what did she need to do when she was getting frustrated and felt like she was failing over and over again. And uh, so, yeah, there's definitely so many connections with, uh, with engineering in the NGSS. Uh, and I think that's a great place, actually, to start. I encourage a lot of teachers, as they're getting more comfortable and confident with NGSS, start with the engineering the physical science, you know, and, and then kind of work your way into uh, using the science and engineering practices and, of course, introducing phenomena, but, you know, there's kind of bite-sized chunks for teachers. Is there any other, like, any other engineering task that's at the top of your mind that, like, you would recommend to elementary teachers that works really well? Uh, well, I'm currently working with, again, some some like kind of demo sites that we're trying some things out with. We've done 
like this whole conversation you keep bringing it back to social emotional learning which is just so critical in the classroom I just started reading a book it's called the heart and science of teaching and which is really amazed to hear that there's such a strong correlation between students emotional um at their emotional achievement their emotional uh, IQ, if you would, or what they call about the EQ, right? We talk about IQ all the time. I feel like we're moving away from a focus in the, in the schools from IQ, intelligence, to emotional intelligence. And so you keep talking about failure and, you know, getting gritty and persevering and all these wonderful things. And that's what I keep hearing about in this book is that if, if you could teach your kids these skills then every other subject, they're going to have some academic achievement because they're learning skills that they can transfer and will help them, you know, become academically stronger. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I know there's a teacher that shared with me at a site in East Salinas and Altal that uh, said the first month they just really work on uh, growth mindset and just kind of set that as part of their culture and uh, really celebrate failures. Knowing that that is ultimately going to make you stronger. 
And um, yeah, it really does. It is all connected. Again, I, I taught in the classroom for 16 years, and you know, again, if, if you don't have that connection with your students, right. uh, they're not going to grow as much as if they know you you care and that you're there for them no matter what, and also that you kind of enjoy enjoy the process. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, not just in science, but throughout the day, just kind of be mindful and uh, take the time to know that you know. You are in this in this really important position of uh, creating our future leaders, uh, and you, you get to set up your classroom as far as you know. Work with your students to find out what are their interests, what are they passionate about, and that's the cool thing about science is uh, they may not realize it yet, but if, if you uh, you know bring in GSS into your classroom and just kind of get out of the way <laughs> right. you know, and let them discover things, they're going to find out. They're probably passionate about all sorts of things, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the cool thing with NGSS. I feel like uh, teachers are kind of the messengers. Like, they just need to deliver the message of your science. And uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it as far as prep. There always is in high-quality science. Right. And, uh, but it's, it's so worth it. And it pays off, you know, for our students uh, in the long run. And again, this is our future that we're creating together. Absolutely. And it sounds like it also pays off in those relationships and, you know, the students' mindset. So they're working hard for you throughout the school year and not giving up when things get challenging. That's so, so great to hear that. So great. Tell me, me too, I've heard, yeah. I, you know, from my personal experience and I've heard from teachers, the students who, you know, that may have uh, struggle with kind of the classroom structure of, with, you know, the rules of the class or may have be a discipline issue or have different challenges. When you bring in those hands-on experiences, um, that's when they really get to shine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's something to really consider is that for many years, we took away all those things in the classroom and students didn't really get a chance to collaborate or, or you know, explore um, with hands-on materials. And I've seen it so many times that when you bring that out and you let students really work as a group uh, to accomplish a task, uh, that they, they really step up. You know, and, and it'll surprise you. The students that that uh, you wouldn't think would normally shine will tend to become leaders. Mm. Um, and that includes uh, English learners, and that includes a lot of our female students who right. are underrepresented in the STEM field. So, um, again, NGSS, that's a big piece of it is the access and equity. Uh, there's a whole chapter devoted to it, the framework, which if you're going to read it, that's, that's a chapter I would start with. Oh, so great. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about um, some of the best practices for supporting English language learners. As you know, California is incredibly diverse with about 20% of the population being ELLs. What do you, uh, what, what, um, what, what are your recommendations in terms of creating su- successful experiences for our ELL population? Yeah. So again, uh, I, I, really highly recommend looking at the framework because it charts a path for all students to achieve all standards. Um, and that chapter describes several groups with specific learning needs that uh, that, that must be addressed inside the classroom. Because I know in California that's a growing population. 
So, you know, for each group, if we look in the framework, it describes how research findings inform these strategies that will help students achieve uh, in science and engineering. And so it actually gives a series of snapshots that illustrate how these strategies look in the classroom. Just speaking of my own experience, I taught in LSL for 12 years, so I had a large population of English learners. And, you know, again, I think when um, students can have the opportunity to observe a phenomenon, mm. no matter what their prior knowledge is, they are all becoming engaged in the science lesson because they all can observe and start to try to figure out what are they witnessing, right? Right. Uh, and then again, kind of following that 5D instructional model, when you get them uh, work with hands-on explorations immediately, and give them a chance to kind of play with the language before we formally call out that vocabulary. Right. Um, you know, right. So in those groups, there's a lot of language development happening. So the ELD strategies, uh, you know, are kind of a part of that that small group collaboration. And then, you know, things that are just kind of, you said best practices, I'd say like sentence frames. Mm -hmm. um, there's some you know, fantastic sentence frames out there. I think Oakland Unified has free ones online, free sentence frames. Uh, I think it's called We Speak Like Scientists, We Speak Like Engineers. And you could uh, scaffold and differentiate depending on, uh, you know, the group of students you're working with. But, you know, giving students, again, kind of that chance just to kind of play with the language as they're exploring. And then as we move into kind of the language and literature connection, or perhaps the math or social science connections even, that's where we get a little more formal with, uh, you know, perhaps we're reading some scientific content that's helping us uh, make sense of the phenomenon. It's tied into the performance expectation. Well, I see a lot of times the uh, content could be, the lexile could be differentiated. So you're reading kind of the same content, but it might be at different grade levels. And students aren't, you know, not necessarily aware that, okay, uh, perhaps your partner is reading a couple years below grade level, but they're able to still have a conversation after reading about, uh, you know, scientifically what was happening during the exploration. So... Uh, those are just kind of off the top of my head some of the best practices with English learners. But, you know, again, the speaking and listening is so important. They need a chance to, to, you know, not only talk in their group, but also talk in front of, you know, with the class. So if you're, as we move into the elaborate, say they've created a model and they're sharing out what they've discovered so far. They're still trying to make sense, but they're hearing from one another. Um, okay. All right. You ready? Yeah, we're on. Okay, yeah, so just, you know, really supporting the listening and speaking skills. Um, I've even seen some, like, GLAD strategies that have been incorporated in the NGSS where they're acting it out, so you're bringing in some almost, like, dramatic play or the arts uh, connected to, I've seen in energy units, you know, uh, in fourth grade. Um, and then, again, going back to that claim evidence reasoning, so now bringing in the reading and the writing, mm. uh, connecting, you know, what they read, to writing, making a strong claim, backing it up with evidence and reasoning, and having a chance to have like different iterations, you know, of their thinking. So, you know, after they've had a conversation, say with one partner, let them have an opportunity to go back and revise. Uh, you know, maybe they've had a change of, of, of thoughts because they've heard someone else's evidence that that question uh, their own. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's that's ideal is when we can get student discourse happening and peer-to-peer -peer 
before the teacher needs to step in and do any kind of intervention or even kind of questioning. If we let the you know again clear the path and let the students um, work with their partners and other groups, um, you see a lot of learning happening. Mm-hmm. And again, that takes that takes some planning on the teacher's end on how to coordinate that and how to partner them up so it's kind of flexible. Um, but that's where I've seen some of the best practices with uh, working with our English learners. Wow, you shared a lot of really golden nuggets about <laughs> planning and designing instruction for English language learners and... Yeah, all these differentiation strategies. I know our program, we talk explicitly about universal design for learning. So they're looking at like multiple means of action and expression, representation and engagement. So, you know, all just like, you know, it's not one and done anymore. It's like building in these structures so that the students are moving towards mastery. And I think, you know, if you want them to be able to demonstrate, those performance expectations, you kind of need to have a mastery mindset, you know, with your students. Yes, most definitely. And uh, um, I don't know if I mentioned it yet, but there's some great uh, kind of tools that are online. The STEM Teaching Tools website uh-huh. uh, has a lot of uh, vetted resources that have live links you can click on. Awesome. Um, they have one that is support, you know, NGSS supporting English learners, how to best support our English learners, how to best support our students with special needs. There's a fantastic, it was just released a couple months ago, um, I think it's called Creating Science Learning Experiences that Support Learners uh, with Special Needs. So, yeah, there's some other, and then I have a resource page online. Please um, share it. Yeah, so the Monterey County Office of Ed. Uh, website. It's a few clicks, maybe four or five clicks, but once you get to it, it's under 21st Century Learning, uh, Next Generation Science Standards, and there's all kinds of resources there, uh, local partners that help support uh, not only scientific literacy, but of course environmental literacy, mm-hmm. and also some vetted resources on uh, kind of what to use in the classroom, uh, you know, and so that's something to uh, check out. We will definitely check that out, and I'll definitely put a link on my website as well for everyone to get get your resources and steal all those awesome ideas that you shared with us today. And yeah. I'm assuming they can get in touch with you through the Monterey County Office of Ed if they're looking for a job or they want to learn more from yeah. you. You guys have yeah, tons of that. trainings, too. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So on the NGSS website, um, on that, that NGSS page that I've created, my contact info is in the uh, left corner. So if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see my email and phone. Uh, so, yeah, anyone that would like to have a conversation or need something that they don't find on the page, um, they can contact me anytime. Well, Will, it was so awesome to talk to you and and learn all about what you're doing with the county office and also to to learn that you're also a National University graduate. That's just, wow, it makes me feel really good to be a professor at National. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I am am a National University graduate for both, uh, for my clearing my teaching credential and getting my master's and had a fantastic experience, uh, you know, back in the late 90s and then just a couple years ago, so we love National University. Oh, that's great. Any professor that you want me to give a shout-out to? Oh, <laughs> uh, you put me on the spot. I did. I didn't, I didn't give you that question. 
It's okay. Send me a tweet. And you're, if you're on Twitter, what's your Twitter yeah. handle? My Twitter handle is at William Franzo. Okay. Well, make sure you're following him. I know I am because Will's got all the best tips and all of the latest tips and tools and ways to get engaged with science with the NGSS STEM. You got it. He's got it. So keep in touch. This is Dr. Dickinson, and thanks for listening. All right, thank you.